What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. As the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, oh, great crossover. Got it. <laughs> That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the DC Crossover. We are back on the airwaves here. Um, that is Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. As you just heard on our fancy new intro. Yes, we've got a new short format. We've got new sound bites, sound effects. We've got new intros, a new Instagram. We are bringing you the heat here as we get closer and closer to baseball season. This is kind of the rebirth, restart of the show. And uh, it is a restart in, in a lot of ways because this <laughs> is technically the third time we have tried to record this same episode because my friend Michael there... Just uh, having just some issues. Quite get man. The, he's having some issues because here's the thing: we're in a remote recording world right now, um, and so we got all those, all the wires and the computers and all this different stuff going on. And while I consider him a, a technical genius, oh, if yeah, you will, sure, um, he's struggling a little bit tonight. So this is the third version of this show. So who knows where we're gonna go with this one, Mike? Uh, I mean, we, <laughs> this one might just go off the rails because, like, this is—it's been like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the bad thing is that literally the first time we were obviously, like Ben said, we're recording kind of in our own separate locations and whatnot. And we're splicing it together later, but at the same time. 
first thing was my fault, um, kind of a computer glitch. So I, I would say maybe 30% my fault uh, and 70% the computer's fault. And then that last one, I literally looked and I was like, well, that should be plugged in. <laughs> and I was wondering <laughs> what just happened. And uh, yeah, so it's been a little while, obviously, since we did some stuff. And um, I just uh, a little lapse in judgment right there because I'm kind of doing it in the dark. I have a light on, but it's like in the corner of my room on the other side uh, that where I'm recording at. And I just didn't look. But then I was like, hmm, this should, this should be plugged in. And I looked and I was like, oh, Ben's gonna hate me for this. Uh, um, it's so, all right. <laughs> thank God. It's it, all right. Thank We're, God it caught it, my mistake though, or, or early on. I mean, within an hour, I should say. Um, yes. <laughs> thank God. Thank God we weren't finishing up the final segment, and then you go, "Wait a second, <laughs> was I using the right mic this whole time?" But you know what? It's all good because as long as we are back, the people are happy. Big things on the horizon um, for the show. We can't quite get into the details yet, but I'd say this. Stay tuned to our social media channels, of course, on yep. Twitter, at the DC Crossover um, for the main account, and then Mike's uh, personal account. Follow him at Etzerone16. He gives spicy hot takes. Spicy. Um, and then and spicy uh, chicken on sandwich. <laughs> Instagram, at uh, DC Crossover. On Instagram, Mike runs that account, um, so definitely uh, check it out. He'll be posting uh, uh, thirst traps on there um, (laughs) occasionally, but more we'll be putting up video and audio components. And and you'll be able to stay tuned that, but I'd say this, if if you are curious about the announcement, look out for around April, I'd say. April time frame, we should have some announcements on what's going on with the show moving forward. Um, It's a lot bigger than than our previous announcements, too. Yes, yes. It is a, it is not that Mike and I are eating more chicken sandwiches or anything like that. It is actual legit news. Um, but uh, again, I don't want to uh, talk about it yet. Uh, just stay tuned for that. We have a new format as well on the show here. We'll be hitting up the rewind button and uh, heading back to this past week in DC sports, talking a little bit of recapping for uh, the Wizards and the Caps and the Nats and, and a little bit uh, watching a football team, not as much. But that way, f- for you, the casual fan, because the show is by the fans, for the fans, um, you know, Mike, I mean, you and I, we're busy guys. We're, sport, we're diehard sports fans. Yes. And, and we watch as much content as we can. Now, I am going to be a father in about five days, so my sports content cons- consumption is going to be a little bit up in the air. <laughs> and, and this sort of rewind, it's for those people that – hey, maybe you can't catch every single game. Maybe you didn't get a chance to see how the teams did. This gives them a chance to to find out in in a short, quick soundbite, a little recap of the week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's the problem is that we're doing it virtual. I can't can't even see you. I thought you you were going to keep going. I was like, okay. But, yeah, just like you said, this whole entire rewind situation uh, that we got going on here, uh, because obviously, like you said, we redid the entire format um, to make it more of, like you said, a show by the fans, for the fans, as our intro said. And the biggest thing about this rewind feature is that, like like everyone else out there, we have busy lives. They have busy lives, um, especially with everything semi going back to normal with the virus and everything like that, with people going back to work, such as myself. Thank the Lord. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, it's just real quick tidbits, tell you what's going on in the week, tell you what, they, what happened, any big news uh, that happened with the major four sports teams here in the District of Champions. Um, but, yeah, it's, I, I love the feature. I know you like the whole entire uh, segment as well. Um, but it's definitely going to be something that's going to be helpful for people who can't catch all the games because they might be on the West Coast or it might be a late game or something of that nature. 
And for those who maybe are listening to the show for the first time, the DC Crossover, what we do is we cover all of the four major DC sports, and occasionally we'll dive into a little bit of uh, you know MLS or local college hoops or things like that. But for the most part, we stick with the four major sports. And Mike and I, we don't have inside sources. We don't have long uh, historic careers in newspapers or television. We're two fans that love these teams and follow these teams pretty closely. Uh, but you're not gonna if you want the expert analysis. Go check out The Athletic or ESPN or any of that stuff. If you want just raw fan takes and emotion, that's what this show is for. And so we'll, we'll dive into some of the teams in a bit as well. We've got a forecast on what's on the, the schedule for, the, for this upcoming week for the teams, and then a couple other fun segments where we're going to get into some, some other topics. But uh, let's start with the rewind here. So press the button. Here we go. Here it is. This is what has happened this past week in D.C. sports. We're talking Monday the 8th through Sunday as we record this on the 14th. It's all the events that have happened by the time we record the podcast. So anything happens Sunday evening past this time, which I don't think either the Wizards or the Caps play after we record today anyways. Um, but that wouldn't be included. But we're just talking about Monday through Sunday. Let's start with the Washington Wizards. Oh, and three this week for the team in D.C., the Hoopsters. Wednesday, lost in Memphis, 127-112. to 112. The Memphis Grizzlies just owned the paint. They went to Home Depot. They bought all the cans, and they just painted the paint. Blue is the Grizzlies' color, I guess. I don't bear know what paint. I'm trying to bear do there. Bear paint, B-E-H-R. There you go, bear paint. Yeah, yeah, uh, bear paint. Uh, Beal with 21 <laughs> points in the game, but 6 for 22 from the field. A little poo-poo there. Friday, lost against Philly, 121-101. Rough start. Really never got back in this game. Keep in mind, no Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid went out um, late in this game. He's out for a couple weeks with a deep bone bruise. And the Wizards still lost that game. Saturday, uh, a nice little cap off for the 0 for 3. You lost against the Bucks, 125-119. Big games for Young. Rui Hachimura, 29 and 11. I've got the jersey in the closet. Russell Westbrook, 42 points on the night. We hate on him, but guess what? 42 points. Kind of nice, but they still lost. No Bradley Beal in this game. Giannis gets a triple-double and the double. W, the win. 0 for 3 for the Wizards. That is not good. But we'll talk more Washington Wizards later. Let's move on to the Washington Capitals. The Washington Capitals doing a little switcheroo with the Wizards going 3-0 this week rather than the Wizards going 0-3. But the Caps have been one of the most impressive teams in the entire NHL over their last nine as they have won eight of their last nine, just racking up the points. Tuesday they beat the pitiful New Jersey Devils 5-4 in overtime. And that was a game where they had it pretty much in the bag 3-0 and all of a sudden the Devils came back and tied it up 4-4, but they ended up losing in overtime, and the Caps took the dub there with Vrana getting two goals. He's one of the top goal scorers on the, squ- on the squad right now, uh, and he was the one who also got the overtime winner in that one. Thursday uh, and Saturday, they played the Flyers. The Flyers have been kind of uh, roller coastery over the last month or so, uh, but the uh, the Caps just found a way to win both of those games. Five three on Thursday, five four on Saturday. Ovi on Thursday got his 715th goal, which I believe he is in the top eight now in the entire NHL history with goals, and I think he's only 
maybe 80 to 90 goals within that second place spot. So we shall see what he does over the next couple of years, hopefully. Uh, Nick Dowd with two goals. Carlson and Connor Sheary with each one goal as well against Philly on Thursday. And overall, Ovi scored on Saturday as well. So he's just racking up the goals now, kind of getting his legs back under him after that early season uh, whole entire mix-up with uh, the hanging out with all the Russians in the uh, hotel rooms and stuff. But overall, Ovi scoring back-to-back -back in the Philly games. But that's 15 goals this week scored by the Caps, averaging five goals a game. So the Caps 3-0 this week, once again racking up the two-point victories. Nat's up next with Mr. Ben. As you know, Mike, you can't hang out in those Russian bathhouses all the time. You can't. It can get you in trouble, Just can't. as Mike knows. Uh, moving on, the Nationals, <laughs> as we know, uh, you know, spring training, it's not as important about records and things like that. Nobody really cares how you do in spring training. But in case you're curious, the Nats did go 3-0-2 this week. Um, and then, uh, you know, because in this weird spring training world, there are ties, there are seven-inning games, there's rollover innings where basically a team decides our pitcher doesn't need to pitch anymore this inning. So even if there's runners on base, we're just going to roll. Uh, the inning's over. It's wild. Zim with two bombs in spring training so far. Um, Mike's favorite player. Oh, yeah. um, and then the, the young... The, the young guns, Kate Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge, uh, looked good in their debuts. These are two arms that, if you're talking about a pretty thin farm system for the Nats, these are two guys to keep an eye on that could be impact players on this club or possible trade pieces. We'll see. Joe Ross, our supposed fifth starter, did pitch the other night. Uh, he got a win, so that's good to see him on the mound. And then Steven Strasburg, the game today, uh, he did exit the game they were playing the Astros, little little 2019 World Series rematch. He looked great, I'll say this. Until he got hurt in like the fourth or fifth inning, Strasburg was solid. <clears throat> Changeup was working. Curveball was working. But he did leave the game, and I was terrified because it was one of those weird injuries where Strasburg kind of looks over at the dugout, uh, Jan Gomes kind of looks over at the dugout. Everyone's kind of looking over at the dugout. And then here comes the training staff, and you're going, what the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. Ended up just being a calf injury. Strasburg says it's nothing major. I'll believe him for now. Nats spring training continues. We'll talk more Nats later. And last but not least, they're not in season right now, Mike, but the Washington football team, a couple little news and notes on that. The Washington football team has released Alex Smith after three years in the District of Columbia. Alex Smith, one of the best quarterbacks uh, with wins and losses under, the, under center for the Washington football team over the past basically 10 to 15 years. Uh, very good record, but just the injuries uh, and his comeback were uh, detrimental, but his comeback was actually very, very inspiring over this past year. But the injury, I believe, has just kind of slowed him down to the point where it's going to be very, very difficult to roll with him as a starter uh, in D.C. So they have released him and saved some cap room. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, a big thank you to Alex Smith, obviously, because the sole fact that he gave us some great games, some great memories and everything like that. Um, and he was a true, true competitor and a very nice guy to have here in D.C. But they have released him, saved some cap room, uh, which now moves the Washington football team, I believe, in the top six in the NFL with cap room. And they have some really big needs at the quarterback spot and the wide receiver position and most likely every other position for the most part on the offense. But overall, they have released him, which leaves Taylor Heineke and most likely, if Kyle Allen comes back, uh, those two as the lead contenders for the starting job, depending 
on the draft and on free agency. But we shall see what happens with the Washington football team. Yeah, we'll be definitely be diving into the draft talk as we move further into the month of April. So don't fret if you are a fan of the football team that is in Washington because we will be talking um, more about them in the coming future because this is a huge offseason oh, yeah. for this team. Very big. Uh, we're talking about filling holes. We're talking about drafting well. We're talking about making moves, re-signing guys, filling back this uh, old line. You know, there's there's a lot of interesting things to occur there. So don't worry. We will touch on all of that, just not right now. We're going to focus on the teams that are playing right now and playing meaningful games. And before I move into this, I just want to check, Mike, are we still recording on your end? Is your mic good? Are you all set? Oh, yeah. Are you comfortable? Oh, I'm, I'm perfect, man. I'm perfect. Okay. Do you need a snack or I was anything? Go- I was going to get right? an alcoholic beverage, um, but at the same time, I'm just... I don't want to get up, so um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, that's a detriment. Yeah, that's, that's, a detriment. that's a detriment. So I think I'll just hold off until uh, until I start watching um, Thousand Pound Sisters later. Oh, that's true. That is uh, a Mike Cerrone favorite <laughs> recommendation. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh, but let's get into the crossover segment first. Up here we go. The Washington Wizard. Yes, we are talking about the Wizards of Washington, one of the lamest names in sports. 14-23 record for the Wiz, 13th in the East right now. They dropped back a spot um, from where they were at the beginning, heading into the All-Star break. All things were looking good, Mike. I'll tell you, on, on NBA Twitter, this the Wizards were actually being discussed. Oh, yeah. People were talking about this team saying, hey, maybe they're going to get red hot. Bradley Beal was playing in the All-Star game. You had the announcers talking about the Wizards. Hey, is this going to be a second-half team? Ernie Johnson, Chuck, and uh, whatever, whoever the other guys are on (laughs) on the studio staff. And then the Wizards come out of the All-Star break. They lose three straight. Lay an egg. They they drop down to the 13th spot. Um, ten teams make the playoffs this year. If you can't even get into that group, then you might as well just tank, tank, tank. Um, and that's the question here because that's what's been being discussed on Wizards Twitter here lately is uh, fans kind of going back and forth on, all right, do you try for the playoffs here? Do you try to make a move before the trade deadline? I mean, what do you do here if you're the Wiz? Because they're still, they still need a lot of help in a lot of different positions um, for you, just as a fan of this team, because it's, it's a show by the fans for the fans. We're just fans yeah. of this team. Do you want the Wizards to make the playoffs? I, personally, I do not, because the sole fact that <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's like, okay, when the Washington football team made the playoffs this year, I was pumped. You know, I, I wasn't pumped like, oh, man, we have a real shot because we had to play Brady in the Bucks first round. And I was like... Honestly, I I said to myself, you know what, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna win, but hey, we could have a good shot. And I had a couple discussions with a couple other people that usually like hearing my opinions, which is actually shocking. Um, they actually asked me, do, do you think we have a chance of winning this game? And I said, no. But <laughs> at the same time, I was like, it's gonna be fun to watch playoff football. And looking for the basketball situation, yes, they have series. But when it comes down to it, if they make it, say, into uh, one of those lower seeds, you got to play the Sixers, you got to play the Nets, you got to play the Bucks, and yeah, we match up decently with the Sixers. But the Sixers still have more uh, bench depth than us. The Nets are much better than us. The Bucks have Giannis and and uh, and, and a few other guys, uh, Middleton, and, and and so on and so forth. Uh, and Divincenzo, he's on my fantasy team, um, and uh, they got some guys on that team that, again have more depth than the Wizards. And it just comes down to the sole fact that 
do we want to see them go out there and win, you know, and, and win one game and lose, you know, four other ones and lose in five and be like, okay, great, we don't have a we don't have a lottery pick now. Let's just go out there and get some 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 random guy from Gonzaga that's going to flame out in, in in two years and then we're not going to see him ever again. I don't think that uh, we should make the playoffs. Honestly, I think like you said, we should make. Make a make a move or something. Now, I'm not saying we should make a move with Bradley Beal, but I think Russell Westbrook would be a huge deal uh, because now he's playing uh, like himself. The first half of the season, I think he was more so not a shell of himself, but kind of getting his sea legs under him uh, on a new team, new squad, uh, trying to get back into Scott Brooks' system like he was back in OKC. And I think that now you're seeing him, especially the other night uh, where he was just dominant and had a triple-double and was just going off. I think that now some people are like, "Hey, maybe we can get Russ." Yeah, he he has a lot of money on 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 his on his on his deal here, but if we can get Russ and make a run at this title, I mean, there's not that many. I told you this off air. There's not that many teams that are just like, "Oh yeah, we're the formidable favorite." I mean, the Sixers are in first place and they've won uh, or they lost 12 games. I mean, that's a lot of games to lose because I believe the Bucks. Uh, what was it last season or the season the season before? They only lost like what. 20 games the entire season so it's like you look at it and uh, the, the biggest thing about it is I think that we're just a little too far behind we don't have the depth especially with Bryant not in the lineup uh, with his injuries and so on and so forth we just don't have that true center because I'm tired of looking at the mop of Robin Lopez go out there and try to compete because there's so <laughs> many different things that I've seen where I think I told you I had a, I had a, the, the, the double double um, with Russ uh, I forgot which team it was against uh, last week and uh, Robin Lopez missed, like, three alley-oops. Uh, and they weren't, like, dunk alley-oops. They were, like, lay-in alley-oops from Russ. And I barely got that as a winner. So that was uh, – yeah, that was a tough stretch. But I'm just tired of seeing Robin Lopez go out there and, and try to compete as, like, a starter like he is. His brother was ten times better than him, you know, a couple years ago uh, when Brooke was actually in his prime. Uh, but when you look at it right now, I just think it's kind of a waste if you have anybody uh, on the Wizards squad trying to go – for you know a playoff spot because it's just going to be worthless in my opinion. Wow, hating on Robin Lopez, the Aaron Anderson Vergel lookalike without the talent. Robin Lopez, <laughs> right. I saw Robin Lopez <laughs> shoot a three from the corner the other night that hit the top of the backboard, so that oh, was lovely. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, as a fan of the team, and, and here's the thing: I went through this with one of my other teams that I that I that I root for, and that's the Detroit Pistons, right. where this team made it in, as the eight seed. Um, uh, you know, I think it was like two uh, in four years or something like that. <laughs> one year they played LeBron and the Cavs, who was the one seed. They got swept 4-0. And then they played the Bucks a couple years later, and they got swept 4-0. And did it do anything for the fan base? Was the fan base happy? I mean, yeah, it was cool game one when you're like, all right, we're in the playoffs. By game three, when you're getting smoked, you're just like, all right, what's the point of this? Because now we're just going to have a crappy draft pick. So right. I, I, I think if you're going to be bad, be very bad. Go get a good draft pick. This is a loaded draft class this year. It is one of the deepest drafts we've had in years. So, I mean, I don't. It, it's tough though. Tanking in the NBA, there's an art to it without making things too obvious. Uh, but this Wizards team has no identity right now. They don't know what they want to do. And uh, I guess the Bradley Beal thing, and, and that's a big discussion on Twitter as well right now, is um, about trading Bradley Beal. So you're in the camp of um, trade. 
Russ yeah, over Bradley Beal. Yeah, I would rather trade Russ because I think Bradley Beal has so because he because he came in the league at 19, he has so much upside. So when you think about it, if he is still on the team, yes, he owns a you know a big chunk of change, but so does Russ. And Russ is not going to be here long term because he's entering his 30s. And overall, when you look at Bradley Beal. He he's gonna be with us if they sign him for you know a lot longer or or they try to keep him wizard for the entire career. I just think they can get a couple pieces and then possibly try to go after a specific position as in a big man uh, come the draft time. So that's what I'm going for. I'd rather trade Russ than Beal. Or if you want to trade him, uh, just go. I don't I don't care anymore. Just try to get something that can help us. I'm, I'm kind of over. <laughs> this, oh, should we trade him or not? I mean, we're we're kind of in the playoff right. No, we're, no, we're not. Okay, we're not winning when he's scoring 38 points a game. Okay, so that's I just if I have to pick something and be rational about it, I would try to trade Russ and try to get some type of assets. That's the thing, because in the NBA, if you have three superstars, you're automatically going to be a playoff team and possibly competing for a conference championship. I mean, that's all it takes. And right now, the Wizards have Bradley Beal, who is a legit all-star superstar. They have Russell Westbrook, who is a past his prime, but still can put up some numbers. I mean, as we've seen this season, and then they don't have that third guy. They've got young tick guys like. Bertans or Rui or the, you know right. some of those other guys Thomas Bryant who you know who's obviously not playing right now but guys that could be pretty good in a few years but they don't have a third piece and you really really need three legit guys at least to try to make a run at this thing so I'm uh, I'm not in the Russ camp I'm not a fan of Russ um, you know I, I I originally was excited when he was going to be coming here but the more I started to watch his game I was like all right you know he's not really adding that whole, that much value. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would love if they could keep Bradley Beal. We'll see. And um, I was digging into the numbers a little bit because I was curious about the question, like, is Bradley Beal the greatest Wizards player ever? Um, and he's in a really small class. I mean, <clears throat> there's guys like Wes Unseld, the famous Washington Wizard, uh, five All-Star games. He's, he won one of those titles with the team. Uh, I think the lone title that this franchise has won, maybe. Uh, an MVP in his rookie season. He's a Hall of Famer. You have Elvin Hayes, who also was part of that title team. Uh, he was a 12-time All-Star. You have Gil. Who, and that's the big discussion topic that's been out there is Gilbert Arenas and Bradley Beal. Right. And if you look at the numbers, they're pretty close, Mike. I mean, Beal is in his ninth season in D.C. right now. Gill played eight years here. Gill finished with about almost 21 points per game, about 20.7 points per game, three-time All-Star, three seasons he was in the top 20 in scoring. Hibachi, he was one of the most incredible shooters this, this town has ever seen. And then you have Bradley Beal here who has flourished into a top five scorer in the league. He's right now in first place in points per game. He's He just made his third All-Star team, and he's still young. He still has more games to play. Um, he's been in... Uh, the top 20 of player efficiency ratings for two seasons. So in your gut, do you already put Beal on that pedestal as the best Washington Wizards player ever? Honestly, when you look at this uh, type of – we always talked about it, especially with LeBron and MJ topics where – it's a different era. It's a different era. And so they, they, they could punch people back in the day, like like that kind of situation where, which is pretty serious. I mean, hey, you were, you you like the bad boys, and that's pretty much what Bill Lambeer did. Um, but, hey, that was fun to watch, to be honest with you. Um, but just looking at it, nowadays, when you think, think about points per game, they, they showed a stat up there. I believe – I forgot when it was. It might have been during the All-Star game or, or, or something. I saw a stat um, that said – uh, that uh, the points per game back in two, it might have been on Instagram actually. Now that I think about it, I think it was back in 2006. They had the playoffs, 
and I think Dirk Nowitzki was leading in points per game in the playoffs back in 2006. Now that was right around the entire uh, Gill era and stuff like that. So when you looked at that, that was, you know, Dirk Nowitzki scoring, well, I think it was like 22 points a game in the playoffs, and he was the leading scorer in the playoffs in 2006. And the funny thing is, like, you see guys now, Bradley Beal is averaging basically like, you know, 47 points a game, and he, he can get that any, any, any night because the, the defense just isn't there like it was back in, back in those early 2000s days. And then, you know, because I think the defense just kind of, like been slowly going down a mountain every single decade because you look back the MJ years, the bad boys, then you look at the nineties and then you start all, all of a sudden move on to the two thousands with LeBron and Dirk and Kobe and, and Shaq and all these guys. I just think the defense has d- downgraded so much that Bradley Beal's points per game. Yeah, they're good. Don't get me wrong. They're very, very good. But nowadays it's so much easier for guys to get the higher points per game. I think now I'm not, I can't really say too much about Unseld and Hayes because obviously I didn't watch their games uh, in black and white or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, when you're looking at you know our era, I would say from the mid to late '90s all the way until now because I was born '91. I think Agent Zero Gil- Gilbert is honestly the best wizard in my time frame. I guess you could say um, because, like I said, I can't really judge the other two uh, prior to my existence. Um, but when you look at it. He was just a transcendent player. He was always the guy that was going to get the final shot. He would not shy away from it. No one had any type of discussion. Oh, is Anton Jameson or Karan Butler going to get the? No, they, they weren't going to get the shot. Gilbert Arenas was one of the best ISO players I saw in the 2000 to 2010 time frame. He was so good at ISOs at the top of the key. I still remember his move where he did the behind the back and then kind of like t- tapped it forward, and then he would just beat the guy off of the drib- off the dribble with the with his speed and then go right to the hoop and get to the line. So it's like he was just that type of player that I looked at as you know this guy will not be forgotten in DC, even though he had all the issues uh, near his departure with all the the the, the I think the uh, the guns and stuff like that in the locker rooms and all that kind of stuff. But he was just so transcendent to the point where, you know, I'll never forget the time that LeBron came up to him at the free throw line, you know, that, like those kind of moments because he was, you know, just a consistent player on a night-to-night basis. Not saying that Bradley Beal isn't, but Gilby took him to, you know, the playoffs consistently. And I think Bradley Beal just has to be um, that next type of talent where, yeah, points per game is great and you can also pad some of those stats, but you got Russ, and Russ just scored, you know, a triple double. So you got somebody else there that can do something, but you're still not perfecting this team and trying to be that leader. I just think that Gilby was that type of leader that could take you to that next level, um, which is the cons- the consistent playoff appearances rather than you know playoff wins, obviously. But I just think I'd probably lean towards Arenas over Beal as of right now. Yeah, I think what Beal's missing is some signature moments, right. um, especially in the playoffs, because when John Wall was here, there was obviously signature John Wall moments. The first game uh, with the doing the Dougie and he had the, you know, some signature playoff shots and wins and things like that, standing on the scores table yeah. in the Boston series. I mean, uh, for Beal, he's just not as flashy as a guy like Gilbert Arenas, but he still can put up absolute numbers. So I think it's close. I think it's very close. Yeah, I think sure, Beal can sure. definitely get there. It just depends on how long he stays here and if he can pull together some signature moments, especially now that it's his team. Now that Wall's gone, we need some Beal signature moments. And could that be in the playoffs this year? Could it be next year? We'll see. Uh, let's move on to the other very successful team. Well, actually, the Wizards are not successful. <laughs> For, let's move on to a successful team in the district. 
Washington Capitals. So the Washington Capitals, who I said earlier in our rewind, have been one of the best teams, honestly, throughout the entire NHL season. Because if you're looking at uh, standings when it comes to the NHL, Washington's up there. I mean, they're very, very high up there. To be honest with you, when you're looking at the East, the Islanders have played one more game, so the Caps can actually tie them if they win their next game. But they've won four straight. Their last ten, they're eight, one, and one. Their goal differential, it could be a little bit better because they have scored a lot of goals, but I think the whole entire Samsonov uh, situation where he had the um, the scare with the, the COVID stuff and then he had uh, you know possibly trying to get back in shape and all that stuff, Vanacek has actually been a very, very good uh, fill-in, I guess you could say, for Samsonov because he was the one guy that we thought was going to be the starter for most of the season. Then they also thought Lundqvist was going to be uh, there, and then that kind of fell through a little bit. Um, but overall, eight of their last nine, they're they're actually, and I like how we put second in the Mass Mutual East. It just makes no sense that they're trying to gain <laughs> that much money. That, oh well, no, they're they're doing really good in the Mass Mutual East. Um, it just makes no sense. I don't I don't get that. But Samsonov returns. Him and Vanacek have actually been very very good with their numbers. I believe both of them have over a ninety percent uh, save percentage, and also they have uh, below three goals against, which is something you really want as a goaltender uh, in the NHL. Shell. But that's the biggest thing is that when we're looking at this team, Ben, it's not like they need to keep winning to stay above the, the rest because, like I said, in the standings, they're doing really well in that Mass Mutual East um, because right now they have played as many games as the Pens and they have three more points. So overall, I think the biggest deterrent for this Caps team so far, and I'll get your take on this, is the shootouts. And that's what they've been known for is just not really good at shootouts, even though they are 2-2 two and two this year. But the problem is they started 0-2. Yes, they won their last two, but they they started 0-2, and they could have got two more points and also taken two points away from the Pens because they were both against the Pens. So right there, you would have saw a huge swing where we would be tied for first uh, with the Isles, and the Pens would be uh, still in third place, but they would have been a lot lower, so then it would have been a bigger uh, deterrent in the points uh, situation. But when you're looking at the entire uh, East and you're looking at all these different teams uh, that started late, like the Stars, I mean, we have four more games played than the Stars and different different people like that, and it's just a weird season. But overall, when you're looking at, the, like I said, uh, the last nine games, they've won eight, they're doing well, the goalies are performing, they're getting better as they go, and they're young guys. I just think that right now they're on a nice little hot streak. Uh, they just they just can't take the foot off the pedal because right now seventeen six and four is very good. It just it it's just not right now because they're still I believe in the in the power rankings. I think they're in the last half of the top five. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, uh, so far as of late, they've been playing very very well. Yeah, they really have. And, and as you mentioned, overall as far as league standing wise, they sit at sixth currently. Right under uh, underneath Toronto, um, as far as league wide, but yeah, that's the interesting thing with the the division this year, with how they have everything set up. It was one of the things that I was going to be uh, intrigued by in the fact that teams are only playing seven other teams. I mean, that's right. all you're only playing that group of guys all year long. Like that's all you're playing. So, um, you know, so for the Caps, I mean, the interesting thing with them is that puts them against some of their you know, rivals. I mean, we're talking Pittsburgh, we're talking Boston and the Rangers and things like that. These are teams that over the years were kind of some of their hated rivals and in the playoffs and things like that. So uh, to see them performing at the level that they've been performing is especially on this stretch that they're on right now. It's pretty incredible. And I think you're right. I, I think the key with them is 
you don't want to peak now um, too early because you still have the full month of April. You obviously have the rest of March. You have the full month of April. And then the season will end in that first week of May. So it's going to end right there on the, uh, the 8th of May is going to be the last game because, remember, with it being a shortened season. Yeah. So I think you, you go on this little run here. It's always nice to go on a little win streak. Who wouldn't want to do that? But I think you, you can't suddenly now have this win streak and then suddenly lose two or three or three or four or things like that. If you're the Caps, you win almost every night. You win the three or fours, you, especially in these two-game sets that they've had a lot of. The key with these, I feel like, moving forward is they, they can't go 0 for 2 in any of these sets. I think you've got to at least split in these, in these little two-game uh, sets that a, lot of, that a lot of these teams are having. Um, and, and so, in general, I think I've, I've been pretty impressed, especially with Ovi. I mean, obviously hitting yeah. the 7-16 mark now with his career goals, um, trying to get closer and closer to the great Gretzky. So Gretzky, 894, OV 7-16. I mean, you got to think Ovi can definitely get to that two spot, but will he even get close enough to Gretzky is the question. Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, when it comes down to that topic, it's very, very difficult to talk about because Ovi, yes, he's getting up there in age and – the shortened season last year and then this year doesn't really help that because, you know, he was on a hot streak, um, you know, basically just going for 40 to 50 every single year. Uh, but obviously he started a little slow this year, but uh, I, I believe he's about, it was like 85 or so goals away from second place, which is easily doable. That's, that, that's, that's, not, the, that's not the question here because he can probably go for another four or five years and basically just average 20 goals a year, which you know he's going to get a lot more than that bar an injury. Um, so I just think the Gretzky thing is that that's one of the records that they always talk about is not going to get broken. Uh, I mean, that's just that's just ridiculous how, how many goals he has. And I believe they said something about, I, be, I believe it was Connor McDavid, and they said something that Connor McDavid has this many uh, uh, points or whatever by this age. And then they said Gretzky has this many points by that age, and it was literally like 100 more points. So it's like <laughs> it's not even close. Like Gretzky's records are just not even close to what people can do. Maybe one day they'll, they'll actually be able to uh, approach them, but – I think Ovi will finish second, and I think that's kind of how that's going to end up. But when you're looking uh, at the Tom Wilson thing, we didn't really talk about this yet. Right, right. The Tom Wilson situation, no one's really, you know, kind of going over that because of the sole fact that when he got uh, when he got suspended, the first game was uh, the Flyers game, and so far since then, they have actually scored 18 goals in four games, and they've yeah. won all four of those games. So. Yes, obviously, we're not going to get into the situation with it. Was it illegal or was it not? All that kind of stuff. But that's a good sign is that they can be resilient. And when one of their top liners goes out, they can actually come back. And top, I say top liner, top liner in skill, but also top liner in fear. I mean, people are fear Tom Wilson. And that's, oh, the biggest, that's the biggest thing is that they've won four straight. And like I said, they scored 18 goals in that amount of time in those four games. He still has three games to sit out. Uh, but the good thing is I think they play their next two games against Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that's going to be pretty easy because Buffalo's only won six games and, and they're just terrible. Um, but <laughs> the biggest thing is they're resilient. They're going out there. Ovi's scoring. Uh, and, and they're kind of picking up the slack that Tom Wilson kind of left behind with his uh, suspension. But three more games without Tom Wilson, uh, and, and they are playing very, very well without him, uh, which is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because we're missing one of our top liners, like I said. Um, but going back to uh, what we were talking about, 
how good can this team be? That's the thing is when we're having aging veterans like Backstrom and Ovechkin, uh, John Carlson is now starting to get up there in age, not like really high in age, but he's, you know, he's in his 30s now. I just think that when it comes down to uh, this team, our top guys are getting older. And we've been talking about this uh, for the last couple of years, actually, that these guys are getting older. These guys are, are, are going to slow down a little bit. Backstrom honestly hasn't slowed down because Backstrom is leading the team in points, and he's just a dominant force right now. Uh, he's actually leading the team in goals and in assists, which is awesome. Uh, but he also, barring injury, uh, is, is always one of those top of guy, top guys with points with his assist numbers. But I just think when it looks at it, look looks at it here, Ben. It looks at it. I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying here. When, when we when we look at it here, I should say. Uh, I, I just think that this team is on cruise control right now, which is good. Yeah, they might lose one and maybe lay a dud here or there, um, obviously, like they did with the Bruins. But that was a tough one because the Bruins are a very good team. And, you know, they have a lot of star power with Pasternak and Marchand. Um, but when you're looking at uh, this team, they're taking care of business against the teams they need to take care of business against. I mean, the last three games against the Devils they've won. I mean, they're just they're just, you know, just dominating the Sabres uh, and the Pens. They're they're winning more often than they are not against the Pens, which is good. So that's the thing. Like you said, they're only playing like seven teams, which is not that fun. But they're taking care of the low uh, hanging fruit with uh, with the Devils and the Sabres for the most part. And the other teams are kind of splitting with, which which is really good to see. So how co- how good do you think this team can be uh, in the later half of this stretch? I think for sure that this is a a top two team in this division. Um, you know, it's going to be a battle. I think, uh, you know, obviously the Islanders are playing well this season. Um, you know, it's going to be a good fight in that division, but I honestly think that this is a team that could make a nice run at this thing. I mean, as far as the cup goes right. and things like that, obviously you've got some strong teams in the central with Carolina and Tampa. Um, obviously, you know, with Vegas out there in the West and then of course, Toronto, one of the powerhouses in the league as a whole, um, coming out of Scotia North. I don't know how everything's going to work playoff-wise with this year because I don't know how it all goes out, but I just know that the Caps are definitely making the playoffs. They're definitely going to be one of those four teams that are in from the Mass Mutual East. I think they're going to be in the top two coming out of the Mass Mutual East. Um, and then at that point, I just think that they have, especially if Ovi's still playing how he is right now, you got a guy like Verona gets hot in the playoffs or something like that. You get Tom Wilson there beating guys up. I, I think this could be a nice nice run. I, I think this could be something that, um, you know, are we talking Stanley Cup champions? I don't know. But I think this is definitely a, a really, really solid Caps team this year. I've enjoyed every single game that I have watched of theirs this year. And it's so funny watching them versus some other teams that I sometimes watch. The Caps just are on a different level. When you watch them on the ice, they're just playing at that just peak level. Yeah versus when you watch some of the crappier teams in the league. Well, that's not, not pointing any fingers, but, you know, the Detroit <laughs> Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, is having Coach Lavalette there. I'm, I'm still trying to get his name correct. Um, it, the, the thing about him is that he's had success in multiple different places. And that's the biggest thing is that, yes, obviously we had Boudreaux back in the day. He was a huge offensive force for us. And, I mean, we were scoring five goals a game, but his defense was terrible. And then we have all these other guys that are coming in um, that, you know, that, that, that we tried out, Dale Hunter and Adam Oates and all these different guys that are just like, these guys were terrible. So it's like you look at you know the, the whole entire, and I'm not going to come up um, with our, our previous coach uh, because I don't, I don't want to have any hard feelings towards him because he he gave us a lot of great uh, memories and also a Stanley Cup. Um, but uh, and by the way, my, my I, I I said previous coach because I don't want to sound like an idiot because I'm I'm going mind blank right now. What was his name? Who are you talking about? <laughs> I wasn't listening. Our la- our last coach. 
For the he's not for the Isles. Jeez, I'm going mind blank right now. <laughs> oh no! Talking about the Stanley Cup, uh, Stan- the Stanley Cup coach. Yes. Caps? Yes. <laughs> oh God! Why am I forgetting his name too? Oh, this is. The people, Barry Trotz. Trotz Barry Trotz. Okay. I knew it. Jesus. People oh. were about to lose faith. They were like, oh, yeah. all right, I've listened up to 40 minutes of this show. They sound like they yep. know what they're doing. They can't name Barry Trotz. Lost it. They're punching out. They're punching out. Lost it. Yep. Lost <laughs> it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I literally was like, that's why I was like, pre- I should I say previous coach? Because I can't I can't remember his name <laughs> to save my damn life. Uh, but anyways, uh, Barry Trotz. Okay. So Barry Trotz, obviously, you know, he's had huge success with the Isles right now. But we tried all these different coaches after Boudreaux. Didn't really have the same success. We had riffs in the locker room with the coaching staff staff and so on and so forth but now Laviolette has come in there and he, he just like I said has had success everywhere he's gone for the most part and you're looking at the power rankings which I mentioned earlier the teams in the east like Carolina uh, like the Isles like I just mentioned um, and also uh, one of the main ones is the Lightning uh, th- those are the teams that you got to look at in the east and like you said is, is there going to be a, 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 a cup run yeah, maybe We'll have to see about that because you think, like I said, you got the Panthers, you got the Lightning, you got the Isles, you got the Canes, you got the Leaves. I mean, it's it's just you got so many teams out there on both sides that are just phenomenal uh, at, at playing hockey. So it's like they got some great teams. It's not like the basketball season where I told you it's just there's not really that one team that stands out. In this in this league, you got a bunch of teams that, that are standing out right now. I mean, a bunch of teams have 37 uh, points and higher. I mean, to be exact, seven teams have 37 points or higher. But that also uh, plays into a factor where some of these teams haven't played as many games because of the virus and whatnot um, with postponements and whatnot. But we shall see. Who knows, dude? It's going to be a fun ride to the end because we know there's going to be playoff hockey uh, in D.C., even though they're not going to let fans in there uh, with you know with the Nats or the Caps right now, uh, which is unfortunate uh, for us at least. But overall, I'm very excited to see uh, what's going to happen with them. Uh, but on to a new team. Uh, that uh, is just starting with their spring training regiment, the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals. Yes, the Washington Nationals. We'll make this one quick because they aren't in season right now. But the, what I want to do with the Washington Nationals is I'm going to give you, and, and I'll obviously give my opinion as well, we've got five storylines for this season. I'll, I want you to rank them in order of your interest. If you If you can't remember all five, you know, just 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 give me the top one. But <laughs> we're starting with this is being Max Scherzer's last contract year. Uh, we've got can Steven Strasburg can he stay healthy? His health, you know, things like that. Can Robles and Keyboom turn things around? Victor Robles, little down season last year, uh, still hasn't really lived up to the hype, if you will. Um, and then Spencer Keyboom, obviously huge spot for him again, being the starting third baseman. So can these guys? turn things around can they be the guys that we want them to be this fifth starter problem the Nats have four really solid starting pitchers the fifth spot up for grabs and then of course the big bat additions of Josh Bell and Kyle Kyle Schwarber will these guys be who we need them to be and that's just power hitting Um, so let's 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 figure out some rankings here for these storylines so I guess um, let's start with your least important one of this group. Okay. Which one of these five? Because we got to tease the people a little bit right. about what you think is the most important. Oh, yeah. So, what are you? What are you least? What are you least worried about? What do you least care about as far as these five storylines? So, when it comes down to my least uh, interesting storyline, I, I have to go with the fifth starter problem because 
because we got those workhorses up in the top three with Scherzer, Strauss, and Corbin, and also Lester as well, I just think that when it comes down to, uh, for, for, for me, the fifth starter problem, you know, it hasn't really been, it's been a topic, at least for, you know, insider baseball guys like us that, that, that always want to talk about this kind of stuff because, you know, interests us. I think when it comes down to the fifth starter, it's been a topic for many years now, and we survived it. So <laughs> I just think that, yes, obviously Scherzer's getting up there in age, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And Strauss, you know, you had that little injury scare that you mentioned, uh, which I'm not too thrilled about. But at the same time, like you said, it's minor, hopefully. Um, I just think that fifth starter problem, it, it, I don't really think it's a problem because now that we have, especially Lester coming in as well, another left-handed thrower. Uh, so that's two left-handies. Uh, is that even, that's not a really, really, really weird. Left handies. That's interesting. <laughs> really weird when that came out. Left handies. I meant to say left handers, but I don't know why handies came out. Um, anyways, uh, I just think <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to end it right there. Fifth starter problem, not really a problem in my book. <laughs> All right, so we'll go back and forth. So that's your fifth. I'll give the fourth. Okay. So I'll use whatever's left, and I'll say what's uh, what's the fourth Sounds good. one. Sounds good. Um, so my fourth ranked. So my second to last interesting storyline on this list would be Scherzer's last contract year with the Nats. So obviously Max Scherzer has lived up to the contract that the Nats gave him probably tenfold. I mean, when you give these guys these big deals um, and longer deals and things like that, if they give you half of that deal, if they perform really, really well for at least half of that, you basically, you win that deal. Um, because guys like, I mean, think about like Jason Worth, things like that. What did he get? Like an eight year deal or something like that, whatever right. crazy deal it was. Uh, I think it was, might've been seven, but you know, he gave the Nats probably about half, uh, half of those years being really solid years. And, and so that was, uh, I think a, a good contract for the team as well. So I think with Max Scherzer, he's getting up there in age. He's not invincible anymore. He was good at, at the end of, uh, you know, obviously in 2019 in general, and he gave them some great playoff performances last year. Not so great. It was a little off year for him. I think he's, as I said, he's off getting up there in age. <laughs> yeah, for a lot, for a lot of guys. I mean, Strasburg missed most of the uh, COVID season. Scherzer was just not really himself uh, on the mound. So, uh, if this ends up being the tail end of Max Scherzer's career, and the Nats um, end up letting him walk, and 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 he goes somewhere else, um, you know, so be it. He got this team a title. He obviously he he you know he won a, a Cy Youngs and things like that back to back Cy Youngs so you know he's uh uh you know he's done what he needed to do in this in in Washington D.C. so right. I'm not as worried about his uh, him leaving eventually is is the point there so well, that, I hey, put that as the second honestly yeah. too to go along with that you don't really know if he's going to come back on a team friendly deal or not because true I mean yeah exactly. Kevin Rizzo can sit there and talk and say hey. We want you to come back, maybe not as the ace, but maybe slot you in as like the third guy and put Strauss up there at one, Corbin at two, you at three, kind of mix up the rotation a little bit with the one left handy, as I should say. Um, sure. <laughs> I need to stop saying that word. It just sounds weird. Um, but I think that he could possibly come back on a team-friendly deal. Or if he really wants that more money, uh, which I don't think he really needs, but if he wants it, he can go to a title contender um, that has – the money, like like the Yanks or something like that, and do something like that. But I don't think he's going to do that. I honestly, I honestly think he's going to come back on a team friendly deal just to try to you know keep the train moving. Yeah, I mean he's thirty six right now. He'll be thirty seven in July. Um, you know, it's he's 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 won three Cy Youngs. He might retire. Two no hitters. He's got his. I mean, he's got his World Series title. I, I yeah, I, I think that that's a definite possibility. All right, what's your third ranked storyline for this season? Okay, so my third ranked storyline here would have to be 
uh, can Strauss stay healthy? Now, obviously, we mentioned that a second ago, you know, with his whole entire situation, with his lower leg and all that kind of stuff. But you mentioned that they, they, they said it was minor and it's not that big of a deal. He does have some you know injury concerns, but we know that he can stay healthy. Now, we did see him uh, in the whole entire uh, World Series run go out there and be healthy and be that dominant force that everyone knew him to be, but we just didn't see it, you know, 100% fully in, in, in play, especially since the Tommy Johns. Um, but we saw those glimpses, and that's why we saw in 2019 him go out there and win that World Series MVP and just every single dominant force uh, of nature go out there uh, on the mound every, what was it, every third day or second day or whatever it was in the in the playoffs. But we just know that he can, he, if he stays healthy, he's going to be one of the top five to ten pitchers uh, in the entire league because his stuff is so nasty. But I just don't think that his injury concerns is something that's going to change my viewpoint on the team itself because, yes, even though it is a big situation uh, with, hey, can he stay healthy or not because we need that secondary starter, Corbin has been a solidified uh, probably, I would say, two as well because we always said Scherzer and Strauss were like one and one A, and I think Corbin's one of the best twos in the game, if you ask me. Um, But he's been healthy for so long that you can just slide him down in the two spot if Strauss somehow uh, gets uh, hurt, but that would have to be mine because of the sole fact that there's a lot of other concerns, especially uh, with our next two that we have coming up. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go ahead and give the the, the second ranked, uh, which basically decides what your first ranked will be. Um, yeah, I'm going to say number two. I'm going to say the big bad additions of Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber. So um, obviously, this is an important storyline. A lot of this is about what they should have done last year, which is trying to replace the production of Anthony Rendon. When you let Anthony Rendon go, you got to find offense with other bats. They didn't really do that last year in the COVID year. They didn't really find enough bats to really do that. I mean, Eric Thames was not quite the offensive force that we would have needed him to be. I felt bad um, for him, though. I felt really yeah. bad for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it stinks that he's not uh, – he's, I think he's back playing in Japan now, I think. Um, and so, you know, he just – he wasn't – Able to do that, obviously, uh, Keyboom is not going to be the offensive force. Uh, you know, as Dribble Cabrera and, and, and Starlin Castro, all of those guys, they just weren't able to do what uh, Anthony Rendon did. So you've, now you, you, you semi-replace those uh, that Anthony Rendon bat now with Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, two guys that are looking for bounce-back years. Josh Bell's uh, had, had some tremendous years in Pittsburgh. Last year, not so much. Wasn't that great last year. Kyle Schwarber, kind of the similar boat where Kyle Schwarber – you know, two, three seasons ago was really, really solid. He was in the home run derby. I think when he was in D.C., he was competing against Bryce Harper. Right. And Harper was still on the team. Um, so you got two really, these are kind of feast or famine bats here. Um, you know, these are guys that aren't necessarily going to hit great averages, but they're going to hit bombs. And if the Nats need some power hitting to help out guys like Juan Soto, uh, you're going to need these guys to perform. Now, Josh Bell's had a pretty nice spring training so far. Um, Kyle Schwarber is, you know, is there, <laughs> he's, 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 he's showing up. He's a body. Um, you know, he's, he's not the greatest glove in, in the outfield. Josh Bell's not the greatest glove at first base. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to really, really perform at the plate. Um, so this is a, this is a huge storyline. I don't think it's the top storyline, but it's definitely something to watch. Well, I, I did say that I was, uh, you know, kind of I felt bad for Eric Thames, and that's because when they asked him about his season, he said, I just couldn't get a nice groove going because of the shortened season and, you know, his spot starts and different things of that nature. So that's why I felt bad for him because you know he can hit. You can know he can hit the cover off the ball, but he, he just felt bad that it was a situation uh, where he couldn't really get going 
uh, in the shortened season with no fans and all that stuff. So that leaves our number one and also my number one uh, prior to actually recording. I actually chose this as my number one, which I believe it might be yours as well um, because so far – Victor Robles and Carter Keyboom have not, uh, you know, lived up to their potentials, uh, just to put it lightly. I think Victor Robles has done a lot more for us um, in uh, production at the big league level, obviously. Uh, I think when it comes down to his uh, batting, that is the biggest issue with him. Uh, I think his fielding is, is phenomenal. He's still ranked as one of the top uh, center fielders or just outfielders in general in the entire uh, Major League Baseball. But I just think that when it comes down to him, they're talking about Davey saying, oh, he might want to uh, you know, put him in the, in the first spot, which he needs to show me a little bit more uh, <laughs> with the bat in his hand to actually get those at-bats. He's not a D. Gordon uh, type of guy. He's not an Ichiro type of guy. He's not going to go out there and hit you 300 every single season. But I think his sweet spot, for me at least, Ben, is that if he can go out there and hit 260 to about 275, I'll take that from Victor Robles. Because if you have him down there near the pitcher spot, now who knows what they're going to do with the DH in both leagues and all that kind of stuff. You know, They've been talking about that for years. But if he's down there with the pitcher, if he can actually go out there and, like I said, hit 260 to 275, you know, get us, you know, a, a, a one for four night, uh, you know, on, on the regular and possibly get on base or whatever with his speed. Um, I just think that that's going to be a lot more beneficial than what he's been giving us so far. Because right now he's basically a Michael Taylor without Michael Taylor's power, uh, in my right. opinion. So Michael Taylor, obviously not with us anymore. Uh, he basically was always out there and, and, you know, he had that one great playoff run and everyone's like, man, he, he found his swing and all that kind of stuff. And then he goes back out there and hits, you know, 240. And it's like, you just can't have that in in your lineup. And yeah, someone can be so talented, but if they're not going to be going out there and hitting you, like I said, that sweet spot, 260 to 275, in the lower half of your order, I should say, obviously the higher, you know, order, you want someone to go out there and hit 280 to 300. But for him, he needs to go out there and at least hit that sweet spot uh, for us to say Victor Robles is is one of the best outfielders all around uh, in, in, in the game today. But uh, I still love his center field prowess out there. He's, he, he's fast as lightning, and he can catch anything. Uh, but when it comes down to it, he needs to improve his batting for my take. Uh, but for Carter Keyboom, uh, and like I said, I'll get your opinions on this in a second. Um, Carter Keyboom, the problem with him is I think – uh, Mike Rizzo has this fascination saying, I want to keep him and prove that I'm right. And that's the problem is that everyone keeps you know thinking, okay, Carter Keeboom, okay, he's out there hitting 317 or whatever it was in AAA, and he comes up, up here and he strikes out 10 times in 13 at-bats. It's like it just makes no sense, you know, how they're trying to use him as like this utility guy saying, you know, he could he, he played shortstop, played second base, he can play over here. Well, we're going to put him at third base now. We're, like they're, they're trying to do all these different things with him, but so far it hasn't worked out. But he's been in so many trade talks where it's like, did we just cut the bait and try to build the farm system up? Because honestly, even if he comes up here and he doesn't do well, I mean, if we cut the bait then and we get assets, then what's the point? in my opinion. Like, what's what's the point of even keeping him there? Because he's not helping the team. That's that, that's what I'm looking at here is because our, our, our lineup is, I think, good enough to make a good run in the playoffs. But at the same time, Carter Keeboom is just, honestly, just wasting a roster spot at this point if he cannot prove this season. Like, I think this is a one-and-done season. If he is not good this season, he's done. They're gonna tra- they, they need to trade him or they need to release him or they need to do something because right now he's just kind of wasting a roster spot. What do you think? The movie poster, Carter's Last Chance. That, that, that'll be the movie poster because it's true. Um, you know, Keeboom in the, in the shortened season, batted 202, 
in, in 122 plate appearances. In 2019, when he came up for the Nats, he had 43 plate appearances, um, and uh, he batted 128. He just hasn't really put together much. I mean, besides what he homered in his first game, I think, as a Nat, and right. that got everybody excited. Um, but if you want to be an everyday MLB third baseman, you got to produce, and, and especially when you're replacing the big shoes of a guy like Anthony Rendon. Of course, Keyboom's not going to be as good as Rendon, but still, I mean, you think about the third basemans in this league, the guys like Arenado, the guys like Rendon. I mean, uh, there's there's so much talent at the third base position that Keyboom has to you you have to get something out of him or you got to toss him like you said um and then with victor robles i just think people kind of expected him to possibly be better than juan soto when the teams when those guys were coming up people were more excited about robles at first um obviously that's drastically changed um but robles uh, again uh you know uh, 2019 batted 255 in that world series year he played pretty well but still you just need a little bit more, and he was definitely bad last year in the shortened season. Batted two twenty, um, you know, struck out fifty three times. Right. It, it just wasn't wasn't that great of a year for him. So he's got to cut down on the strikeouts, still be a good defensive glove, which he wasn't actually in the shortened season, but he was in the twenty nineteen year. His defensive WAR uh, good for two point seven, um, and overall he was a four point one WAR, uh, which is which is a solid. I mean that's that's a starting. Uh, wins above replacement is is anything uh, above two. So he was pretty solid in 2019, but besides that, some pretty bad years for him. So we'll we'll see where he ends up. But they need a big bounce back year for him. They need a big bounce back year for Keyboom in order for this team to be successful. Let's take a look at what's on the schedule this week for the teams as we head towards the end of this show. Uh, the Wizards will play the Bucks on Monday. They got the Kings on Wednesday, Jazz on Thursday, Nets on Sunday. So four games this week, Mike. Um, you know, I know we're going to do picks later, but real quick, I mean, wh- give me a prediction here. Do they go 0 for 4 this week? Do they at least pick up a win? Um, they're playing some tough teams. The Bucks are good. Nets are good. Jazz are really good. The Kings, not so much. I think that might be – they might go one for three this week. Yeah, I'd probably say one for three. I mean, the Kings do have some 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 good players in Fox and also in Heald. But when you look at it, I mean, the Jazz are just a complete team overall. The Bucks, you know, they had a scare last night as we record this on sa- Sunday. They had a scare last night without Bradley Beal. Yes, if Bradley Beal comes back, that means tr- uh, Russ ain't going to have 40 points in a triple-double like that. Uh, but I think the Bucks are going to say, okay, we, we came out flat, so we're going to come out there and pound you this time. Uh, and the Nets, eh, we'll see. We'll see about that game. It could be a sleeper pick um, in, in that sense, but I think I would go with one and three. Yeah, one and three is the prediction for both of us there. Uh, Caps have Buffalo on Monday, the Isles on Tuesday. So back-to-back games there, uh, a tough Islanders team. So you got kind of the gimme game, not gimme game against Buffalo, but as you said earlier, they've been dominant against Buffalo. So you got to think maybe Caps take that. Isles game's kind of a toss-up. Rangers on Friday, Rangers on Saturday. So back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, then you get Wednesday and Thursday off. And then you get Friday, Saturday back-to-back. Kind of an interesting wrinkle in the schedule um, what's your feeling here? Are we thinking two and two in these four games, three and one? What's your immediate take? Well, the problem is the back-to-backs are always something that uh, has been kind of plaguing this team a little bit. So far, when you're looking at the last few games, Sam Sonoff has actually played 
into or, or actually that's 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 the incorrect thing. I'm looking at the wrong the wrong situation here. That's my my fault. Yeah, actually I was right. Sam Sonoff has <laughs> I was looking at something different, but now I, I know I'm right. Sam Sonoff uh, has actually played in three of the last four games, so Vanacek might get uh, the start against New York. We'll see uh, how they want to play that because obviously I had the break on Sunday, um, and uh, we'll see where they want to play that. But like you said, I, I think in these next three games. Um, you know, it's going to come down because they got two back-to-backs here coming up because they got Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. I, I don't really know how it's going to go. Obviously, Buffalo, I think, is going to be a dub. New York, that might be a toss-up. Uh, it might be a grind game because uh, they might be kind of, you know, heavy legs there uh, with the back-to-back. Um, uh, but they had to travel home, obviously, and they got a lot of home games in a row. I think six home games straight after this Buffalo game. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I might just play it safe and say they might go, uh, you know, three for four, maybe two for four. We'll see because it might be a, a sluggish game against the Rangers, one of those two. So we'll see what happens. But I think I'll probably just stay with a, a three for four type of week. And then if you are interested in watching some spring training games, the Nats have the Astros, Cardinals, Marlins, Day off, and then they play the Mets, Astros, Miami, and the Mets. A lot of Mets, a lot of Miami, a lot of Astros, a lot of the same teams uh, here in spring training. We are just a couple weeks away. April 1st is the opening day for MLB, so you'll get plenty of coverage of that and the baseball season coming up as well. Final, uh, well, we got two final segments, but first, we got a new segment here for the folks of this program. This segment's called The Final Lap. We're going to give 90 seconds of quick analysis on big stories in sports, our gut reactions, and here we go. All right, first off, Mike, sneakiest ways to watch March Madness at work. What do you got? Just don't let your boss see you. That's all you need to know. Make sure your work coworkers are in cahoots. <laughs> you got to get the coworkers in cahoots. You got to get the phone kind of screened up, set up, whatever you got to do. Put it on an angle. I was always a guy who you just tilt the laptop a little bit so nobody can see. Oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas win the Big East. Obviously, a big moment for a local team. Hoyas tend to do bad in the tourney in their history, but, hey, you got to feel nice for big Pat Ewing. Well, Pat Ewing obviously didn't get recognized at MSG, which was kind of a funny story all in all, but he is a, he's a big guy. I don't know how you didn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> But, hey, they win the Big East. Good for them. NBA All-Star Weekend stunk. Give me a guy you wish would do the slam dunk contest. I honestly don't care. <laughs> you don't care? Nobody. All right, I'll, I'll say Zion Williamson. I'd love to see him. Of course, Zion. Uh, Mello passes Hakeem for 11th on the NBA scoring list. Do you think people overlook uh, Carmelo Anthony? No, not at all. He didn't really do too much when it came to playoff wins and all that stuff. I think he, his best years were in Denver. New York were okay. I, I just think he never got along with his coaches, so I don't I don't think so. Bryce DeChambeau finishes first with Arnold Palmer. JT wins Players' ta- Championship. JT, how do you look today? JT was awesome today. Had a very good back nine and one stretch. He was actually four <laughs> under through six. Uh, so JT, I'm glad he's back on the winning train after a rough last couple months. And last topic as the time runs out here, uh, Drew Brees retires after 20 seasons in the NFL, which is over half of our lifespans. Um, So, well, well over half. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, Mike, it's going to feel weird to see Drew Brees, to not see Drew Brees as a quarterback of New Orleans. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see if there's any type of uh, office role, front office role with him, just like John Lynch and John Elway have done. Ooh, uh, true. So we might true. see something like that, maybe maybe in the player development role or something of that nature. So we shall see what happens with him. Yeah, he's a smart guy. You got to think he will be 
in the front office in some capacity. Uh, and obviously, shows coming. We'll, we'll obviously be talking a little March Madness later on. Um, but I did want to mention no Duke, no Kentucky in the NCAA field. This is the first time that neither program has represented uh, since 1976. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. The Blue Bloods are The Blue out. Bloods. Uh, all right, final segment here. Mike and I are going to give you a couple picks. Um, obviously, with games being in the future, uh, we can't give you odds or spreads or things like that. Um, but what we can give you is a lock of the week and an upset of the week. Mike, who do you have as your lock this week? For my lock this week, it might be too easy of a lock. So I would go on Wednesday with the Dubs, the Warriors, over the Houston Rockets, who is it's kind of a weird situation with the Houston Rockets because of the sole fact that they were on this nice little win streak and everyone was like, oh, the Rockets, the Rockets. But now all of a sudden they're just, they're just terrible. So I'm going to go easy Warriors over Houston. That money line might not pay out that much whatsoever. Uh, and then my upset will be the Pens over Boston. Now, I believe uh, Boston might not be favored. They might be favored. But I just think the Pens uh, are going to take one uh, to Boston with Boston's goalie issues. Uh, or actually, not Boston's goalie issues. Um, that was a different thing we were talking about <laughs> before. But I just think that when it comes down to it, I'm going to choose the Pens over Boston. But it might be kind of more of a 50-50 uh, type of pick game. So I'll still go with Pens. Here's my lock. Bucks over our Washington Wizards on Monday. I think... Uh, the Wiz took the Bucks up to as, as good as the Wiz could possibly play. Now, I know Bradley Beal didn't play. Now, that's a big X factor, but I still think this Washington Wizards team, I just don't know. I just really don't know. Right. The Bucks are a damn good ball club. I think they beat the Wiz on Monday. And then my upset of the week, look out for the New York Knicks. Yes, the New York Knickerbockers. They're playing the Nets on Monday. It's a battle for New York. That should be a movie. Um, and I'm th- <laughs> it's on ESPN. The Nets, obviously, uh, Blake Griffin still has yet to suit up for, for Brooklyn. Um, KD has been out. He's probably out for a little while. But this is a damn good Nets team. I watched them beat Boston during uh, last week. I still think the Knicks, though, might pull out this upset. That's my upset pick. We're going to keep track of these picks and these records, and we're going to come up with some sort of prize. If you have an idea of a good prize or a punishment, let us know. Ooh. Tweet us at prize the DC Crossover on Twitter. Or tweet at Cerrone16, <laughs> or comment on our Instagram page, shoot us a DM, whatever. If you have a good idea for the punishment or for the prize, for whoever, the way we're going to do it is first to 10 correct picks Yep, gets, gets a prize, the loser gets a punishment, and then things will reset. So come up with some ideas, hit us up, let us know. And as always, please subscribe to the show um, on whatever platform you're listening to this on please rate and review of course uh, spread the word uh, via social media and all that good stuff and please stay tuned for some big announcements like i said we got some stuff cooking mike and i have been in the kitchen we've salted the beef i guess i don't know um like we've, uh, we have the meats we, we, we've preheated the <laughs> oven um we are we we've got something cooking and we want to share it with you we just can't do it yet but stay tuned because it's going to be awesome it is going to be game changing, uh, but uh, but yeah, Mike. Um, before we go, any final thoughts here on uh, any of the topics we've talked tonight? Do you have any final points you want to get out there before we give? Head out for the beginning of another lovely week. Not too many final points. Obviously, last week was nice with the weather and everything like that, so people were out at 
you know, restaurants and their out, outdoor seating. You got to watch all the games. But I think this week is going to have a lot of good games to watch if you're just a casual sports fan for all the teams or for D.C. in general. Um, obviously, the Wizards are going to be tough to watch because they're just tough to watch in general. But like I said, my pick with the Pens in Boston, that's going to be a great game on Tuesday. It's going to be on NBC Sports Network. And uh, just overall, I think it's a good week for sports in general. There's a lot of good games that are on uh, for multiple different sports. So definitely tune into some of those. But uh, so far, obviously, for the Caps, not a lot of great games. The Isles might be a really good game. Um, but we shall see uh, what happens in the sports world for this coming week. My non-sports recommendation if you're watching uh, shows on Hulu and such, Ooh, check out in and of its in and of itself on Hulu. It's this like part magic, part one man show. It's it's unbelievable. Watch it on Hulu. It's like an hour and a half special or something like that. Uh, in and of itself, check that out on Hulu. Hey, hey, if, ben, if, if you have not. before yeah. we, before we go, uh, you I mentioned it actually earlier. Have you seen Thousand Pound Sisters? <laughs> I've only seen clips on like. TikTok. Okay, I'm making sure because honestly, I know the sisters. I've seen them. Yeah, but, uh, it, it, yeah I haven't a, seen the show. It's a crazy story. Obviously, I'm not going to get into it. But if you want to go on it's on TLC on demand and everything like that, you can go check it out. Um, I always watch it on demand because I just can't stand commercials. But it's, it's one of those situations where we talked about it in previous episodes about like my 600 pound life. It's kind of like that. But they ended up making these two sisters into like an actual TV show to the point where it's hilarious in certain things. But now I'm starting to get a little ticked off uh, as the show goes on because Tammy's just not helping herself, and it's just not—I mean, it's just not working out. But uh, help yourself, Tammy. Yeah, come I on, mean, geez, Louise. But anyways, definitely check out Thousand Pound <laughs> Sisters. In the first season, is that's definitely, Mike's recommendation. Definitely comical. It's comical. <laughs> we'll give the people some non-sports recommendations <laughs> every week. How about that? All right, as we said, good people, subscribe. Uh, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow us on the social media channels and watch these games and feel free to interact with us on uh, Twitter. And so long, episode 54 of the DC Crossover in the books. We will see you next week.